We are Lions Nation, hosted by Andy Sobel and Logan Erickson. What's up, everybody? Welcome into We Are Lions Nation. I am Andy Sobel, and with me as always, Mr. Logan Erickson. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Thank you for joining back on the show. Uh, hope you're out there. Uh, hopefully, you're out there sharing. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, get our name out there. Hell yeah, damn right, Logan. Logan, what's up, man? How's it been? Hey, not bad. Me neither, me neither, except for Sunday, of course. Other than that, things have been great. Uh, had a lot of stuff, and I do want to apologize to all the listeners uh, for the delay of the episode. Um, I had some personal stuff going on that I had to work through, but I am back and ready to go. And, Logan, I know you are, too. Oh, yeah. So, I'm glad to have you back, too. I want to mention also, just in a few minutes, we'll have our guest today. as Once again, Mr. Michael Burt uh, will be joining us on the show as well. Uh, he's gonna, he is a Packers fan, like you all know, and you know, he, he wants to talk about the game. And then also we'll be uh, touching up on the uh, – the players kneeling, something that uh, Mr. Mike requested to uh, speak about. So we're going to let him take the floor for that in just a little bit. So it's going to be a great show. We're going to go over the Packers-Lions matchup, and then we'll talk about the uh, upcoming matchup against the Arizona Cardinals. Now, to start it out, um, of course, we know the Lions you know, lost a game, disappointing, 21-42. Uh, Packers came in there pretty much uh, – House, uh, just your just general thoughts overall, uh, Logan, of what you thought. What you would you see? It was a second half or last three quarters, I should say, meltdown. I mean, all the way from the coaching staff to the players on the field, it was just a really poor performance. What I seen. Yeah, and I 100% agree. I mean, we came out first quarter, what first two drives. Touchdowns right away, I believe, or something very similar to that. And then nothing else after that. And that's the story of the game, pretty much. I want to bring in I want to bring in Mike, uh, Mr. Mike Birch, real quick. Hey Mike, you got me there? Hey, I got you. Thanks so much for having me. Oh yeah, of course. And everybody should know by now if you've listened to this show before. Uh, you know Mike was the inspiration behind the show, and I told him after the Packers game we would definitely have him back on. Um, so, Mike, I'm assuming you're probably pretty happy about that game, hey? Well, I will say after I found out that the uh, the Lions have been kneeling that uh, that I think that any of the guys that kneel deserve to lose. <laughs> well, we we're definitely gonna hit on that because I knew that's where you were gonna come with that, and uh, I'm definitely prepared to you know talk to you about that and answer some of those questions, you know. And that that's part of, and I know Logan agrees with that. That's part of the reason that we want people to come on the show is to share their opinions and their thoughts on, especially the big issues or big topics that are going on right now, and. Um, we're definitely going to hit on that just a little bit later as far as the kneeling goes. But what was your thoughts, Mike, from what you did, what you were able to see as far as the Packers-Lions game? Well, I think that uh, 
you know, unfortunately, it's it's kind of been typical Lions fashion of the last few years here. I mean, I've been watching the Lions closer than ever, ever since we started talking about this. And, you know, it seems to me they've got a lot of good weapons, but they're just not putting it together. And, and I, I don't know if it's, it's just that uh, Lions jinx, if you will. <laughs> yes, and that's what it has. I've actually seen it. There, there is people calling it that the Lions jinx. And you know, Logan, what do you think, man? Is there a Lions jinx? No, I don't think it's a Lions jinx. I think it's more uh, mentality. I think after years of losing and having that losing mentality, it's kind of hard to get out of that. And I think the as an organization all the way up into the front office, I think it's been a problem. <clears throat> and it, it, and yes, that, I mean, it has been for years. And Mike, I love the fact that you touched on the topic that, you know, we've, we've, a lot of times we have the talent and I still think we do to this day, especially on the offensive side of the ball, uh, have the talent to get the job done, but we just never seem to be able to close it out. And that's, that's been the issue, and that's going to be the issue until until the, the Lions organization, the head coaches, until they figure it out. Now, I, I think that the uh, ahead, I Mike. think that the uh, the kneeling is bad karma for them, and that they kind of need all the help they can get at the moment. Yeah. That, go ahead, Logan. Oh, I was just agreeing with them that it, it, I guess it could be bad karma on them. I'm a big believer in karma, getting what's coming to you, but I don't know. I see that too, but I mean, you got to think that there are other there are other organizations and other teams choosing to, you know, do what they what they want to do as far as you know what they believe, and you know those teams are still winning, so. You know, what is it? You know, I want to before we get into because the kneeling that's a that's a huge topic, and uh, before we get into that, I want to run down uh, just just the the game itself. Run through that here. Um, so I'm gonna go ahead. I want to break down just the, the the stats of the Lions here. Uh, Matthew Stafford went 20 for 33, 244 yards with two touchdowns, uh, one interception. Uh, as far as rushing, Adrian Peterson, 7 for 41 yards. Kerryon Johnson, uh, 8 for 32 yards. He did have that one touchdown in the first quarter. Uh, DeAndre Swift ran the ball three times. I'm sorry, five times for 12 yards. Um, going to the receiving core, uh, top receiver for the day for the Lions was TJ Hawkinson. Uh, four catches, 62 yards. Uh, then surprisingly, the DeAndre Swift was the second uh, best receiver for the day. Uh, he had five receptions for 60 yards. Stephens with three catches, 54 yards. Um, then you had Hall had one for 24. Marvin Jones four four receptions, so he did get the ball a few more times this week um, for 23 yards. And then Danny Amendola only two for 21. Uh, what are your thoughts on you know the Lions' offensive performance, Logan? Uh I thought it was good to start out, you know, two straight drives, touchdowns, uh, looked pretty promising in the first quarter. Uh, then we just had some 
mishaps, penalties, uh, you know, protection breakdowns with the offensive line. Uh, we need to get better at that O-line. I know we're really young there, but I think that needs to be a point of emphasis for our offense going forward. And give AP the ball. Uh, I, I said this on the last episode. Uh, I didn't understand the whole carry-on Johnson starting the game when AP's got the hot hand. Um, you can see in his stats, what was the averaging per carry there? I don't remember what AP was averaging last week, but I I agree with you 100% on that. I don't understand why what AP was that game. I don't understand why we didn't, they were the Lions didn't run him. I don't – I mean, it, you know, it's nice to see carry on Johnson get the touchdown, but he only had – AP Pearson actually had one less carry than carry on did. So, I feel like the rushing game was kind of non-existent just because of the fact that, you know, we had to play catch-up the entire game. Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Uh, I said it on the last episode, too. If we get behind and we're trying to play catch-up, it's going to be hard to beat Green Bay and uh, that offense. And that, that's exactly what yards on us. <laughs> now, you go, to the re- you go to the receiving floor – I mean, I think T.J. Hawkinson had another good game. Um, but, again, not seeing much from Cephas or Jones and really nothing much from Amendola. And what do you think on that? What do you think as far as, you know, where where, where there's receivers are at? Um, I think they – I think Marvin Jones, you know, getting that touchdown, I think that was nice to see against Green Bay. Um, I'd like to see him get more targets than what he did. TJ Hawkinson, um, he, he's a beast. I think he's finally coming into his own this year uh, from these first two games. That's what it looks like. And DeAndre Swift, I'm telling you, he's the next theoretic for us. I hate to say that, but uh, you can see the confidence Stafford has with him uh, after that drop pass in, against Chicago uh, to win the game potentially. And – you know, he goes right back to him in Green Bay and just throws the ball to him. He's throwing it around pretty good. So, um, I think they just need to fix the mental errors, and I think they'll be all right. I, I'm pretty positive about their offense. I like what I'm seeing. And then you add Kenny Galladay into it this week. I think uh, I think we're going to do a lot better. Yeah, and that's a big question, too, with Galladay coming back. You know, I think we're going to see a lot less of – uh, guys like Cephas and Hall, um, you know, with Galladay stepping back in the frame, I I think that's going to be a huge impact as far as throwing the ball. And I believe Matthew Stafford even mentioned something about that in the press conference as well, that he was really happy to have Galladay back on the field. Um, he's just a player that can make anything happen with even a backup quarterback in the game. So, um, you know, when Stafford went out last year, Galloway still did an amazing job and had some really good stats. So, I mean, with all this weapons and offense, we should be all right. And I think, and I've said this before, I don't think it's the offense that's really the issue. Um, as long as we can, you know, get back to that running game that was so strong in week one. What do you think? Yeah, I, I completely agree. I don't think it's the offense is 
problem right now. I think um, most of our losses stem from our defense. I mean, listen to the stats here from Green Bay. Aaron Jones, four catches, 68 yards and a touchdown, 35 yards after the catch. That's mental errors. You got to make the tackle after the catch. Uh, 18 rushes, 168 yards on the ground, and a 9.33 yard per carry average with two touchdowns on the, on top of that. With that 75-yarder, when we come back from halftime, you allow a 75-yard run for a touchdown to start the second half. I mean, you just can't have these breakdowns here. And then 488 total yards for Green Bay against our defense. I mean, you just can't have that and expect to win. No, and that's been the big – that's been the big issue, you know, because last week Green Bay and Mike, you could probably contest to this, Green Bay didn't do a very good job of stopping Devin Cook running the ball, but yet we didn't run the ball very well against Green Bay this weekend. So, I mean, that, you know, comes into play that, you know, it's the you know our defense is just so far behind that we have to play catch up too much and that's just throwing the ball into making bad choices and throwing the ball and just constantly throwing the ball and you can prepare for that as a defense on the other side. Right. Yeah, I think that what uh, Logan said earlier about give the ball to AP. Well, the AP only had. 41 rushing yards against Green Bay. He had 93 against Chicago. Yeah, yeah that's, well, what, that's what Logan was saying. Like, where, why did we not feed Adrian Peterson the ball? Like, where, where did he go? <laughs> you know, it's like I don't. And unfortunately, I don't think Adrian Peterson uh, that I seen did a did a press conference that I caught. So, uh, unfortunately, didn't hear anything from him as far as you know, what his take on it was. And actually, um, I don't remember hearing anything from Matt Patricia on that either. So, Logan, have, I know you were able to uh, get into the press conference um, offensive coordinator. Did you, you know, Bevel, did you um, get, take anything out of that as far as the rushing and all that? No, he didn't really touch on uh, Adrian Peterson. Uh, he spoke about on Johnson and and he liked what he's seen. And the knee brace is kind of like a – the knee brace that he's wearing, I think everybody's been kind of wondering what's going on with that. And he kind of touched on that a little bit where he said that it's just kind of a precautionary thing. They don't want him to re-injure that knee. And they feel like the brace uh, gives the knee the support that it needs to make some of the moves on the field, like cuts. And – and going back to Adrian Peterson, what I really meant, like seeing him and playing, is give him the touches. Most running backs in the league, you know, especially starting running backs, they get 20 to 30 touches a game. You need to feed him the rock. You can't expect to have him have, him have a really great game if he doesn't get the touches. He's a rhythm player. He's got to feel the game. He's got to get into it. And then once he hits that rhythm, I mean, we see it in Chicago. He was lights out. He leads the league in 10-plus-yard uh, rushes, which I believe he has six now. And, you know, 
give him the ball. He's an explosive player. Anytime he touches the ball, it could be a big play. And that's the thing. You never know with Adrian Peterson if it's going to be a big play or not. But that brings up the question as, you know, seven carries, eight carries, three carries for our running back. Not, you know, we didn't even total 20 with all three of them. But the problem is there, you can see in the stats clearly there was a problem. And that was the fact that we couldn't keep the Packers off the field long enough to even establish the running game. And then we got behind, we had to throw the ball again. There you have it. You know, you can't throw yeah. the ball when you're down 20, 30 points. It's just not feasible. Well, it really killed the rushing game there is, you know, Green Bay got ahead of us right before half and then got the ball back to begin the second half. And they get a 75-yard touchdown run, you know. Uh, Mike, that kind what of, did you think of that? What did you think of that huge run coming out of halftime? Uh, I missed that one myself. I was only able to get uh, the, the the game on radio here where I'm at, but uh, I, I apologize. I did miss that one. Well, I tell you what, you would have been happy because it was a it was a huge run. <laughs> yeah, and really, I think I think that really just killed the that put the dagger in it, but. Uh, you and I, Logan, were talking earlier and um, before the show, like we normally do, just talking about the Lions. And you had mentioned a point of, you know, everybody, you know, other players talking about. There was another player that was talking about um, everybody getting up, uh, giving up, and things like that. Why don't you get into a little more detail on that on that story? Reggie Ragland, our linebacker, he talked about how, you know, the team just needs to stay together, you know, when we get behind and when they get behind in certain situations, you know, when the, the game's not really going your way, you can't just give up. You got to keep playing, go out there and play ball and do your job. And he also mentioned that the problems with the team start from the neck up. So I believe by what he's saying is, you know, the coaching staff in the front office when he says that. That's what I picture in my head, what he's talking about. Yeah, I agree, too. And that, you know, that's something that, Mike, you even brought up, uh, you know, saying that, you know, you because of the podcast, you've been paying attention uh, to the lines more. And you actually, I believe, said something similar to that earlier as far as, you know, where the problems are for the lines. Yeah. I mean, I see a lot of flack for, for, you know, Matt Patricia and talking about possibly possibly firing him. And, and uh, honestly, I don't I don't know that he's the problem, but I know that that's where the blame goes uh, a lot of times. But uh, I don't know what the answer is for him. You know, that's beautiful that you just said Matt Patricia, because I would love to talk about some of the things that Matt Patricia said uh, this past week. Um, Logan, you and I touched on this earlier. Once again, Matt Patricia said the words, it's going to be a rough September and we need more time together. I think that's the biggest crock of bullshit that I've heard ever from a head coach. That sitting here saying that this team is going to basically lose because we haven't had enough time together. Well, what the fuck? Because all the other NFL teams have had plenty of time together, and there's lots of them that aren't losing. 
they've had the same amount of time. Tom Brady and the Bucks looked really good this week. They haven't had all the time in the world to get all that chemistry. I mean, what is what is he saying? I don't I just don't understand why he's saying things like that. I don't get it either. You know, uh, Patricia keeps talking about it's bad September, bad September. No other team, no other coach is saying that. You know, they're going out there, they're trying their hardest, they put their heart out on the field, and they try to win the game. And it just seems like uh, the aggressiveness on our coaching is, you know, horrendous. You know, you look at our defense, we didn't pressure Aaron Rodgers at all. We got one sack for 11 yards. Um, throughout the game, he was just standing back there in a clean pocket, being able to make his reads and check down and throw it to the correct receiver that he needs and make him big plays. And that all comes down to coaching, I believe. Yeah, I mean, Matt Patricia, who basically said all these excuses like, uh, there wasn't enough time in the off season. So, so what are you using September as your off season still? Like, what the hell are you doing? You need to coach the game. During that whole entire game, he didn't make – I didn't see him make any personnel changes as far as players go to try to adapt to anything. He just kept letting everything just happen, not making any decisions. And then, you know, he was asked – this is something that I wanted to touch on. Matt Patricia was asked, What's different about your defense this year? And his answer was personnel is different. Still trying to figure out where everyone fits. Well, no shit, the personnel is different. You got you brought in new players. What do you think? But obviously that's different. But I think the question was more in regards of your defense looks as shitty as it did last year. What's different? I think that's where the question was going. And that answer that Matt Patricia gave was an answer like I don't know how to answer this so we just brought in new people you know what I mean yeah new people but go ahead sorry I was just gonna say I think that you know a guy in the position that Matt Patricia is in I mean this is the guy that's supposed to have the answers and to say we're having a bad September is making excuses for 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 not knowing where to go next yeah, right. and Mike, exactly. If you caught episode, the last episode, Mike, Matt Patricia's press conference, he said the exact same thing. And then he said it again this week. So he's basically using that as an excuse as to why, especially the defense, is playing so horribly. And I think it's a crock of shit, really. And some of these answers to his questions are a bunch of bullcrap. He doesn't know what to say because he doesn't know what to do. Well, maybe he does deserve to be fired. Well, I, I, I think that, and Logan, I know you agree, and I wasn't on the, the page of firing Matt Patricia at the beginning of this year. And I myself am still on the fence, but the more I listen to him talk, the more I'm starting to feel like this guy might have to go. Yeah. I mean, look at all the way back in the last year, he's lost 11 straight. I mean – his job as a coach is to put players in the right position or the best position where they're going to be most productive on the field and have a chance to win. And it just doesn't seem like he knows how to coordinate that or how to put the players in the best position to win. 
it's right. sad it's, to see. Go ahead. I just said it's sad to see. Oh, well, yeah. Speaking of putting players in the right position, during the game against the Packers, Jeff Okuda played his first game, and he was getting absolutely burned every single play. At that point, you should make some kind of change to try to, to do something to, you know back there to help. Although I know we have injuries back there. Jesus Christ, Patricia, you just stood there and did nothing while your rookie defender was getting smoked by, you know, that Packers receiver. It's, it's just they made him look like a little kid out there. You got to make – when you have a player out there struggling that bad, obviously he's not ready yet. So switch it up. Put somebody else on him. Take him out of the game. He's not ready. Do something. Make a choice. All, don't just sit there with your pencil in your fucking hand and lally gag around and staring at your fucking food menu that you call a playbook. Yeah, I agree. And I've heard the argument too that uh, you know that he's a young coach or, or you know it's new to the Lions. But I mean, Matt Lafleur has only got about a year on him at Green Bay, maybe. And that's an excellent point, Mike. Matt yeah. Lafleur came into the Packers. And this, the Packers are a great football team. Matt Patricia comes into Detroit and just makes excuse after excuse after excuse as to why we're not winning. We're not winning because you're not doing your job. We're not executing. Right. Yeah, and I, and I think they they base the hire of Matt Patricia only off Bill Belichick's success. If you look at the Patriots' defense since. Patricia has left, they've actually done better statistically than when Patricia was actually there. So I I, get, I think it's just the Bob Quinn. I think it's Bob Quinn, honestly, is our biggest problem right now. And it's sad to say, but he hired Patricia basically off of their friendship. Just like yeah, they're fucking buddies. Yeah, just like the last couple of years with Pascalani, we had to deal with that defense coordinator two years in a row doing the same shit both years. It's frustrating. It is, and I, I, you know, and that's why I get so pumped up when it comes to what's happening right now because, if the, you know, when I, before I did this podcast, I always watched the Lions and I always had my opinion. But I wasn't, you know, digging into these press conferences like I am now. And, you know, just listening to these, just listening to Matt Patricia talk, I just feel like he is a deer in headlights. Just because he played under Bill Belichick doesn't mean he's Bill Belichick. We're not the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're not, I mean, we're not the New England Patriots. We're the Detroit Lions. We're our own sports organization. And their whole goal of trying to turn the Lions into the Patriots is a bunch of crock of crap because none of the players they're bringing in are doing anything. Yeah, and I want to touch up on something else, too. One of the additions from the Patriots, Trey Flowers, we paid $90 million to, got less playing time than 12 other players on defense against Green Bay. Our number one pass rusher, $90 million man, why is he not not out on the field more than these other 12 players? Highest paid player on our defense. He was brought over here to rush the passer. Where is it? Because I haven't seen it. 
You know, and that brings me to a, a, a perfect thing. Back, you know, back to the personnel. You know, with Patricia saying, you know, we got to get everybody fit where they fit. You know where Flowers fits. He fits on the defensive line. He should be in there every fucking, almost every snap. I mean, if when you don't have a guy like Flowers in the game, you know, if you're a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers, you're not going to be, you know, you're not going to be as worried because Flowers isn't in there. And you don't have to worry about that aspect of it. You know, Corey Underland was, this is a statement from him. He said, no one is panicking right now. That was his statement. When he came into the team, he was supposed to come in and bring a different perspective to the defense. That because you know, bring a new perspective. Now the defense is worse than it was last year. So what new perspective did he bring in? What's he doing? I have no idea. He was a defensive backs coach in Philadelphia under Jim Schwartz, and our defensive backs look worse this year than they were last year. Well, first off, we don't have any. Um, and, and, and second, the ones that we do have, we have a rookie that we drafted, the very first pick, who is a very talented player, but obviously is not up to the par of the NFL yet. I'm not going to say that – I'm not going to rule him out, you know, Okuda out by any means just because of what I see in college is what he can do. But these receivers for the Packers were just putting on one move and they were burning him. So I don't know if it's lack of injuries or they just wanted to get him in, but if he's not ready, don't play him. <laughs> I agree. You know, and you know, I just I had I feel like we said this before, I, I feel like it's gonna be up to Matt Patricia and Underlin to get this fucking defense put together or we're not going to win these games. We're not. Because Matthew Stafford in the offense can't do all of it. It works. There's two sides to a football game. There's offense and there's defense. You know? And it, it's just got it, it. It's got They got it figured out. I mean, they brought in Joe Webb to the practice squad to imitate Kyler Murray. Yeah, that might help slightly. But Joe Webb's not Kyler Murray. You have to prepare for the real deal. And maybe that'll yeah. help him. I don't know. But Kyler Murray could have a field day just by himself if that defensive line doesn't get pressure. You know what I mean? Yeah. What, what, I mean, this defensive line is horse shit. Linebackers, horse shit. Defensive back, fortune. Not, they're good players, but like you brought up before, they're just completely giving up. And when your own player, your own teammate says that about some of the other players and, and the coaching, there's a problem that has to be fixed. Maybe that resolution is saying adios to Matt Patricia and bringing somebody else in. Well, it comes back to mentality. You know, they have this losing mentality. Like, oh, things aren't going our way. We lost. They just, it, it looked like that on the sidelines when you're watching the game. You look over on the, when they're scanning the sidelines with the cameras. 
most of the players had their heads down. Like they just gave up. Yep. Yep. Because that's what happens. They they lose all confidence that they can still win the game. And there's one person that doesn't do that, and that's Matthew Stafford. Now, uh, Logan, I know you, you know, sticking on the press conferences, I know you had a chance to uh, take a listen into Matthew Stafford's press conference. What did you take away from that? Um, you know, he touched on a couple things. You know, one was on his Players' Tribune essay. Um, I know there was a lot of talk about that. And we'll kind of touch on that in a little bit with the kneeling thing. But, uh, you know, he was asked about how he stays even keeled throughout the game. And he just said that, you know, it's experience and you know, knowing that if he throws a pick in four-minute offense, he better get ready on the sideline to come back out there in two-minute offense and score a touchdown. You know, I like that mentality. He, he's always looking toward the new, next play. He said, you know, you can't just, uh, you know, stay stuck on your mistakes. If you make a mistake, you just got to keep moving forward and throughout the season and through a game. And I just like that mentality he's got. And he also talked about uh, our punter, Fox. He's a rookie. Um, how He is having some pretty good uh, punts throughout the game. And he said he'd rather uh, him not have to do anything and just hold the ball for field goals and extra points. You know, and that is what – that's what I love about Matthew Stafford because he's not – he even admitted today that he's not on social media, like Instagram, stuff like that. That's just the kind of player he is. He's there to play the game. He's there to win. And, you know, there's still a lot of disrespect going on from Matthew Stafford right next to Matt Patricia. They want them both out of there. I have seen some things where people are saying to get Matt – to get Stafford out of there so he can have a chance to win. Um. I don't think that's a necessarily a mean statement. I think that's just people that have respect for Stafford trying to, you know, they want him to be successful. But under this coach, it's not going to happen is what people are basically saying. And listening to you guys talk about the players and having their heads down and, and really just not being able to – you know, to put this together with so many talented players really, to me, points to a lack of, of great leadership, and, and that points right to Matt Patricia. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Mike. If, 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 you're, the, if you're head coach, already thinks you're going to win in the whole month of September, what kind of – you know, what does that you – know, let's think of it this way, and Logan, you can chime in on this. When I, once I say this, you go into your job and your boss is a complete asshole. Are you more likely to do a good job or are you more likely to just go fuck it? You know what I mean? I would say more than likely fuck it. You know, I can't work under an asshole if you're going to sit there and, you know, be on me 24 7, even though, you know, I'm doing a great job and just, you know, nitpicking then I'm going to be less likely to work harder for you than somebody that's you, encouraging. 
if you have a boss, Mike, that doesn't care or doesn't show that they're a leader, are you more or less likely to do the best for that person? Well, I think it's human nature to, to be less likely to, to do well, do a good job if there's poor leadership in place. And, and I was just looking uh, through the Internet in the last week here into some different lion stuff. And, and to me, I mean, I hate to pick on somebody's weight, but Matt Patricia, he's, he's a hefty guy. And uh, that's not setting a good example either. Right. What, what, you're not even in shape. Like. Maybe the leg injury was a fake when he got his leg hurt, so he could just ride around in that scooter. I don't know, but I, I, I'm i not one to make fun of people, but I feel like his laziness is just going, and he doesn't have he doesn't have any oomph to win the fucking game. Where's the excitement from him? All you see is his stupid little eye roll sometimes. He should be eye rolling at himself in a mirror because of the last job he's doing. Yeah, I don't. I don't foresee uh, them breaking any books about Matt Patricia's leadership anytime soon. No, me yeah. neither. And uh, I feel like you know, being heavyset has nothing to do with it because Andy Reid is a great leader. So it's it's the person definitely. And honestly, I just think you know when he says, "Oh, we're going to have a bad September," it's basically giving the players an excuse to go out there on the field and play like crap. Like, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it just, it's going to be a bad September anyway. Yep. Yeah, the mindset there, the mindset that that creates is just self-destructing. Yeah. No, it's a, it, if you go into a job and you're told right away, you're never going to get a bonus, you're never going to get a raise, you're never going to get any vacation time, you're not going to want to do that job. So if you're told right away, if, if you hear you're the person that's supposed to be your leader, pretty much say that you're going to fail. Oh, and then use the excuse, well, uh, we don't have the personnel in the wrong spot. Whatever. You're not going to want to play very well for that team. But what's weird to me is it seems like it's only the defense. Like the offense still goes out there and plays pretty well, I think. I haven't given up on the offense yet. I don't know where the hell they were at the ending of the Packers game. Um, we didn't seem to do anything the third and the second and third quarter at all. And I don't know if that's just a lack of trying to do too much or, or what. But what do you think on that? Just that little bit, Logan. Uh, what happened to the offense? Well, um, Bevel kind of touched on it in his press conference today and, you know, there was a situation um, there in the second quarter, I believe, where, you know, they were driving down the field in Green Bay territory, and it was a second and 10. Well, then they got a penalty on that play. So then it ended up backing them up 15 yards and a loss of down. So it turned it into a third and 25, you know, and he talked about mental errors and just staying, you know, keeping your head right when you're out there on the field. And he said that had a lot to do with, you know, them not performing as well. And he said it. he thinks it's possibly the defense was just kind of sitting back, waiting to see how the, the script was going to go as far as offensive play calls, how they were going to run it, uh, how they're motioning players. But he said it's still, you know, they did stuff that was unscripted and, you know, we had chances to make plays and those plays just weren't made. 
he says, just comes down to execution. So uh, he had a pretty good uh, positive outlook, and he says that um, he really wants to get DeAndre Swift a little bit more involved in the offense, but he also touched on, you know, the whole September woes with, um, you know, the rookies not being as familiar with playbooks like they would in past years, you know, due to the COVID outbreak. He kind of used some of those as excuses as well, but I mean, I, I think he has some valid points there. Yeah, and I agree. I was just going to say that. I think when it comes to the rookies, like Okuda and Swift, those guys, they still got to learn. But that's why I'm saying when it comes to making changes during the game, when Okuda is struggling, take him out or switch him off. Or do something. Don't just stand there and look at your stupid, you know, laminated sheet that's in your hand that obviously isn't working. You know, figure it out. Don't just stand there. Map just stands around. He doesn't do anything. And that's what is so frustrating about it. Now, before we, you know, I still want to touch on a couple things, but I just want to make sure, Logan, did you have Anything else that you found out during the week that you want to bring up? Um, I did uh, find out that Trufant doesn't look good for this week, um, according to Patricia in his press conference earlier. Um, said he was the only one that was, wasn't out there. Um, uh, no, that would be good too. That that would be, you know, that that still sucks because that just makes me wonder if, if Okuda's going to be back in again. If he is, did he learn anything from uh, the Packers? Can he make the adjustments that needs to be made to, you know, play a lot better? But I really like the fact that you know Bubba said that he wants to get Swift more involved because I think Swift is going to be a hell of a playmaker. Uh, on the offensive side, that's for sure. Now, I did, according to Adam Shetler, uh, Detroit is meeting with uh, defensive end, uh, former Pittsburgh, uh, former Patriot. Uh, sure. Have you heard anything on that, or what do you know on that? Um, no, I haven't. This is the first time I've heard about it. Uh, I was hearing about it from you. Yeah. Um, uh, Sheard, he had – 51 and a half, he has 51 and a half career sacks. Uh, last year, he had four and a half sacks, five tackles for loss in 13 games last season. I mean, another Patriot coming in. What are your thoughts? Oh, uh, I don't know. He's going to be like Trey Flowers. I don't want him. <laughs> uh, if he comes in and produces, I mean, it'll be good, but that again, who knows? That, again, brings me to the fact that they're just trying to build the New England Patriots. You know, you could argue that it's because they have familiarity. That obviously doesn't matter because that's not helping anything. But, you know, that was some of the latest news that I was able to uh, find today. Just some of the, you know, just one of the, you know, we got dolls out uh, on the three-week IR as well. I know you kind of heard on that. Joe Dahl. Yeah. 
he's going to be yeah. out on the three-week three IR. And I think Patricia did note that he was only in the IR just because of the minimum three weeks um, that you have to be out. Uh, Mike, before we get to the kneeling, I want to ask you one question. I want to get your thoughts on what your take is from what you've seen the first two weeks of just the NFL. What do you think of, like, you know, having 20% fans as in having no fans? Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, the first game that I watched was the uh, the Thursday night Kansas City game. and I, th- I want to say they had 1,700 fans there, 17,000 maybe. Uh, it's kind of weird. Uh, I didn't get a chance to see any where there's no fan jet. I saw a few highlights. Uh, I think they're making the best of it. Uh, I think that uh, personally, I'm uh, not a big proponent for the whole mask thing or the coronavirus. I feel like it is pumped up to be way more than it is. And I'd like to see everything get back to normal and just play football and enjoy life. Yeah, and I, I I think that the teams that are starting to bring the fans in, you know, that's giving a little bit of what you're saying of, like, getting back to normalcy. And I think that makes a difference just even with the 20%. So again, I know we talked about this last episode, Logan. Um, I, I'm hoping that the Lions will come around that corner here pretty soon, and especially for the fans. You know, there's nothing like being at the stadium. Uh, we both have been there. We know that. And, you know, I, I my thoughts on things on that. I definitely want to see some fans in there soon. Now, Mike, I want to go ahead and give you a minute just to, uh, you know, what are your feelings on the players kneeling? And I know that you had posted on the We Are Lions Nation Facebook page you know, you made the post about Matthew Stafford and the kneeling. Um, what are your what are your thoughts on as far as the kneeling of the players? Well, I definitely, completely, and absolutely disagree with any player that kneels during the national anthem and disrespects the flag, the anthem, and the men and women that defend our country. I read somewhere in my research this in the last few days here uh, that somebody had said that they would never, you know, it's not about disrespecting the flag, the soldiers, the anthem, but to be clear, you are disrespecting the flag. You are disrespecting the anthem. And most importantly, you're disrespecting the men and women that defend our country. And I have no tolerance for it. And I, I definitely respect that your your opinion on that, and I get where you're coming from. This is where the struggle comes into play because as a fan, I want to see the game. I want to watch the game. And, you know, I understand, too, where the players are coming from and what they're trying to do. For me, I don't think it's a – disrespecting the flag or anthem like I don't it's not to me it's not the mentality of the players are walking out there and they're saying before the game hey let's go kneel and disrespect everything 
that's not what's happening. But I get what you're saying, just the, the act itself being disrespectful. I mean, me, I always stand for the national anthem. You know, I maybe I would like to see the players do that themselves. And I know, Logan, that you had something that you wanted to touch on that as well. Uh, yeah, I think it basically all comes down to perspective, you know, and, and how you view it. Like Colin Kaepernick, for example, I did not agree with him at all. He was disrespecting the flag the way he was kneeling. Um, he even said that, that he wouldn't stand up for a country that allows uh, police brutality. And, you know, that flag is what gives you the right to protest, um, gives you the right to your freedom, and also stands for, you know, the United States military. And I also, I, I mean, I see it from both points of views. And it's how you perceive it. If you perceive it as, you know, they're doing it intentionally. And it's all intentions as well. Um, it's kind of a touchy subject. I, I don't really like going one way or the other. And I guess I see it from both sides. But I'm more toward, um, I don't like seeing it as a fan. I wish they would just, I believe it's mostly political. And it's been kind of pronounced that way as well um, by some of the players in the NBA, uh, like LeBron James talks about Donald Trump all the time, Black Lives Matter with the same sentence. And, you know, it, it's not a platform for politics and they need to keep it out of, the, out of football. Well, I would say absolutely Black Lives Matter. But oh, yeah, I believe that as well. There's a better way. You can go out and do some positive change in the world. You don't have to kneel for the flag. And basically, at the end of the day, you're pushing a political agenda. Yep. I agree. Logan, you had a chance to – Matthew Stafford obviously had taken some heat from that. Um, but he's not the only one. Uh, you know, before I, before you give me the feedback I'm going to ask you, you know, he, he did make a comment that they're, you know, what they're doing is they're not trying to disrespect the flag, but they're doing something as a unified group. And that's different than what Colin Kaepernick was doing. He was just being disrespectful in general. But, Logan, I know you had a chance to actually read the, the essay that Matthew Stafford wrote on that. Can you give any 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 insight as to what he said in that? Yeah, he's basically describing um, this offseason where he had went down uh, to work out with Danny Amendola uh, down in Georgia on this field he got permission to work out on. And four days straight with him, uh, no issues at all. Came down the following week um, with four of his black teammates and then they were threatened to get the cops called on them um, by the time they even dropped the balls to start practicing. And this is a field he already had permission to play on. And he just said that, you know, he sees, you know, race or racism happening, you know, just from that. And he felt like it was the right thing to do for him as far as kneeling. Um to the flag or the anthem 
during the game. And that's basically what he touched up on was his own experience with racism. And he felt like, you know, Danny and him being both white, they didn't get harassed or get threatened to have the cops called on them. But as soon as he brought his black teammates to the same exact field, all of a sudden this happens, you know, and it shouldn't be this way. But Mike, what, what are your thoughts on what Matthew Stafford had to say? I actually read his, uh, his article that we can't just uh, stick to football and I respect his motivations I just think that kneeling is a bad way to go about it. I respect that. And I think that, you know, him wanting to kneel with the team is, is him wanting to, to be the leader that maybe Matt Patricia is not being right now. I mean, he's showing some leadership in, and, you know, let's do this together. I just don't like the way that they're doing it. Yeah. And I absolutely agree with that statement a hundred percent what you just said. And that is why, that's why I knew bringing you onto the show and talking about this subject was going to be good because I knew where you were, where you, how you felt about it. And Logan, I agree with you as far as both ways. I, I think what Mike just said about that showing, you know, the team being unified and Matthew Stafford being the leader and him even saying in his own words, which is something that he doesn't do you know, those kind of things as far as, like, making big statements or things like that. You know, he, he experienced – Matthew Stafford experienced what many people are experiencing right now for himself. And do I agree that, yeah, they should not be kneeling when it comes to the national anthem and the flag, you know, because that does represent something very strong to this country, you know, the country itself and then the military, like you said, Mike. I think it's even more disrespectful, in my opinion, to stay in the locker room. I feel like you should be at least on the field. I mean, being in the locker room is a whole different thing as far as I'm concerned. I mean, you, you come out. That, but again, that will bring up the question of they're still being a unified team, but a lot of times these players aren't coming out of the locker room because they can't agree. And it's just such a big big thing right now with all the violence and the craziness going on in this world. It's it's good to see them all working together to try to get to try to fight a cause for for a cause. But I agree with you, Mike. I think there, there are better ways of, of doing that. Yeah, I mean I think you gotta be the change that you want to see in the world. And you can go out and take some positive action. I don't know what that that action is, but take some positive action towards you know towards preventing or towards making the problem better and I, like i say i don't have the answers i don't know what that is but but a protest a kneeling that's again i think a political agenda and and another part of this right now i mean these flames are currently are currently <clears throat> I'm, I'm trying to think of the word i'm looking for but these flames are currently so so much because of a couple of criminals, George Floyd and Jacob Blake. Like these are criminals we're talking about, criminals that resisted arrest. I mean, to yeah. wear Jacob Blake's name on your helmet when he's 
clearly a resisted arrest and he's you know a sexual predator well logan and i actually were talking about that actual thing right before we did uh logan you actually brought it up that some of the players are removing um those names off of their helmet and i know it's understood i believe that some of them were not aware of what the actual whole scenario was in that case, maybe do your research before you go ahead and just throw a name in your helmet. Or maybe they were just put on the helmets and they didn't really choose who their name was on the helmets. I don't know exactly how that worked. But I do yeah. know that a lot of the players are removing uh, a lot of those names that when they're finding out, you know, that what the truth is behind it. Yeah, and uh, uh, Steelers are a prime example of that. Um, Villanueva took the name off of his helmet and then replaced it with uh, an Iraq uh, war vet that passed away. Uh, and then Marquise Pouncey of the same team came out after the game wearing that same person's name, not the Iraq war vet, but the original person's name they're supposed to wear on the helmet. He found out that that person was convicted of a drive-by shooting and he apologized for wearing that name because he didn't know the complete story behind it. So basically, and and this is kind of, you know, coming all into me right now that I'm sorry for lack of the correct words there, but it, it seems like these players don't really know. They're not getting the full story of who's on their helmet. You know, nope. so are they really doing something I think it's the NFL shoving it down their throat, honestly. Honestly, well, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if it's a political agenda being shoved down their throat from higher-ups. Yeah. That's a good point because the NFL commissioner, uh, Goodell, said, I, I, I don't know the full story, but I know that he had to apologize on behalf of the NFL for something that he did or the NFL did. And ever since that moment, that's when all these names have been on the helmet and all of that stuff. I don't know if it's because the NFL wasn't stepping up their game and showing enough support or, or what. But, you know, I, I think that – I think Mike is kind of hitting, hitting something there. This is all a big thing from the higher-ups. They're just putting these names on the helmets they're walking around not knowing the full story of what's really on their helmet. That's my – that's my thought. This is another – yeah, and this is another thing too, you know, this this is didn't just start happening now, like people getting shot by police. You know, it's been going on for a long time. All right. And it's kind of a coincidence that it happens on an election year. They all of a sudden all want to start, you know, joining together as a league and allowing these players to protest. You know, it's it just doesn't add up. Yeah, I think maybe Roger Goodell's just trying to cover his ass and make things look good. And, you know, but just to, just to close it out uh, on the kneeling subject, my final thoughts on that are just, um, you know, I agree, you know, hearing from Mike today, I definitely agree um, with what you said as far as they, they should definitely try to figure out a different way maybe to, you know, <laughs> You can be unified, but stand up. You know what I mean? And right. I think, I think that might be 
the direction that they they should probably go in. And I'm just I'm just sitting here looking at uh, on the on the screen on my computer here. Uh, you know, we can't just stick to football. Well, maybe you should just stick to football. You get paid a lot of money to stick to football, and and it just makes me sick to see somebody kneel for the anthem and i think like what you were saying earlier even even staying in the locker room like i I question the leadership of these teams where they're you know they're letting the players kneel they're letting them stay in the locker room to me if you've got good leadership and a good group of guys you're gonna you're gonna get together you're gonna talk about this and you're going to stand together. And I think that's yeah. where some of them are coming off of, you know, well, they're kneeling, but they're doing it as one. And that's where – that's that's usually the answer to that. They're, they're kneeling, but they're doing it as a team. And I, I got one more thing to say, too. You know, these are all high-paid athletes, all right? They really want to make a change. Go back to their neighborhoods, put some money into there, uh, help these poverty areas, you know, do more work off the field, help these people out. If you really want change, then actually do something with the millions of dollars you get paid. Yeah, what exactly. Making wearing, your hel- wearing a name on your helmet. That's not really making change. I've seen players. I don't recall what his name is. One of the Eagles players donated his game check for the entire season. That is the kind of that's the kind of change that you're talking about. Like, yeah, that was Chris Long. Yeah, that's what they need to do. That's the kind of stuff. I totally agree with you, a hundred percent on that. Now it is we are uh, getting close to the end of the show here. So, uh, okay. Mike, I, I do want to thank you so much again for coming on the show and you know, all the help that you've done, you know, as far as the show goes, you know, it's much appreciated and we really enjoyed having you on. Yeah. And I, I appreciate you having me on and I enjoy coming on and talking to you guys and, and, uh, can't wait to, to, you know, for you to make this a success and, and see how, how great we can, we can, uh, we can make it. Yeah. Thank you, Mike. Uh, thank you for pushing Andy to start this, you know, um, and I appreciate you having or being on here. And I like the uh, other perspective from, you know, Green Bay's side. Um, it was nice having you on here. Yeah, thank you so much. And again, thank, thank you for having me. Yeah. Now, now, Logan, uh, before we end the show, I just want to get uh, just your final thoughts. Uh, either your final thought on the game last week or your final thought on the upcoming game against Arizona? I'm going to say my final thoughts on the upcoming game, Arizona. Uh, They need to get their defense ready to play because they're going to have their hands full with Hopkins, Fitzgerald, Drake, and Murray. I like that. And, you know, my final thought is going to be today will be if you're going to do something to try to help a cause that's awesome love that you're unified but there are other ways to do it and let's maybe try to figure that out 
Now, yeah. for, for Logan Olsen and I am Andy Sayers, this has been We Are Lions Nation. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Make sure that you join the We Are Lions Nation Facebook page if you have not. And for all of you that have been on, we have crossed that 100 number mark. So that is super exciting. Keep jumping in. Keep listening. We appreciate it. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. This has been We Are Lions Nation. Podcast available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Bullhorn, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Republic, and Google Podcast. For all the updated information on the We Are Lions Nation podcast, please join the We Are Lions Nation Facebook page.